Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. Player in many leagues, he will join me at. 2.20 p.m. Eastern to talk some baseball. And then coming up in the second hour, Tim McLeod of Prospect 361. He will join me to talk Mixed League Tout Wars, which took place last week. I was in that league as well. Talked about my team last week. I had the number two pick. Tim picked at the end of the draft. And some interesting selections for sure. So we'll bring him on to let him break it down and give us his thoughts as he built his team. Uh, he did win this league in 2014. So we'll talk to him about his team coming up later on. Of course, you can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com, on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, and on the gram at Aaron88. Tons of content on uh, scoutfantasysports.com right now for fantasy baseball. We have a high-stakes high ADP movement from Sean Childs, uh, breakout pitcher of the year, from Sean Childs. He also bust for pitchers that he is staying away from. Sleepers. I'm going to have an article up today on five undervalued players that you can get later in your drafts. And usually it's injury related or they never got the playing time. But that article will be posted, of course. Positional rankings from myself updated in real time as soon as news breaks. So pretty much every day. I'm updating them because there's always some sort of news going on. And we'll get to a lot of that news coming up in just a little bit. Uh, so I would recommend right before your draft to print that out. You know, don't do it now and then your drafts this weekend because there will be changes. I guarantee it. A little shuffling. And also, as I've said before, you don't have to use those rankings as gospel. I mean, it's a guide for you guys. I know a lot of people... Uh, have trusted me in last year in fantasy pros for 2018 draft accuracy. I finished second. And obviously those that have played in leagues with me know that I've done pretty well. So they're pretty good, but you can deviate a little bit from it. I even do sometimes, you know, I might have a pitcher 53rd and then I look down and I'm like, Oh, the guy at 57, it's close. And maybe I want to diversify a little bit and get that guy on my team. So it's a guy, but make sure that, you get the updated version. Uh, so I'd say right before your draft, if you're going to use it as a guide, print it out right before. Don't do it three, four days before because there will be changes. My preseason pro picks are out as well as Sean Childs and Dr. Roto. So we do a bust, a sleeper uh, for the American League and National League for pitching and offense and a stash and cash player as well. And, of course, the scout scores are updated so there's just a ton of content. You could check it out. Like if you go to the main page, click on Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit, and you'll see all the tools and information that we provide. And it's going to be real difficult for you to not be competitive in your league by using this draft kit. In-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs as well. Uh, Dr. Otto doing his team in a nutshell. And I have a lot of player profiles, uh, 
looking at players changing teams, you know, looking at Jesus Aguiar, looking at Jamison Tyon. Can he build on last year? Is this the end for Nelson Cruz? So just a ton of content uh, to get you ready. And I know a lot of people love the the auction. Uh, I mean, the rankings for sure. So we do have auction values as well. I actually am participating uh, in three auctions over the next week and a half as well. So Make sure you come join us. Use the promo code BATS50. You can get 50% off your first two months. So you can also ask your questions on the message boards and forums anytime. You know, a lot of times on Twitter, you're limited for space. So the best place to do it is ask it on the forums and the message boards. And it also ensures that we see it. And you can go into detail about your league, whether it's keeper strategy, trades, waiver wire pickups, whatever it is. We have you covered. Also, scoutdfs.com for NBA NHL, PJ, and of course, MLB upcoming as well. Optimizer, Slack chat leading up to lineup lock. Let's take a look at some of the big stories in baseball across the weekend and what it means for your fantasy team. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is dealing with a oblique strain. It's a grade one, so it's the lowest form. And everyone is kind of reacting like, oh, no. We all knew that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was not going to begin the year with the Blue Jays anyway. It was a service time issue where they would keep him in the minor leagues for two, three weeks. We saw this happen with Chris Bryant a few years ago. So we all knew that he wasn't going to start the season. Now the question is, okay, how much does this push him back? They'll probably sit him out a few weeks, uh, then let him go to the minors for a little bit, hit, and then bring him up. Now, he's only 20 years old, and I guess the other issue is, you know, there's no rush for the Blue Jays to bring him up, but it's clear that this guy is ready. It's not like he needs to be down there in the minor leagues at this point. I mean, he's crushed at every level. I guess the biggest concern that you have is the body type because he's definitely, you know, put on quite a bit of weight, and you could see it, and for his age, you'd expect it to, you know, to be a little bit better shape. But there's no question about his ability to mash the baseball. I mean, he's hit at every single level. And that's why you're seeing people take him in the third, fourth round of drafts. I know in my Tout League draft, he went uh, probably later than we have seen in any draft. And, you know, I had an opportunity to take him uh, on the 4-5 or five turn. And I elected to pass. And it's not because I don't like him. And maybe I'll look back and say I should have done it. It's... You know, what is the, the ceiling for this guy? I mean, I don't know if we're going to see immediate power right away. The counting stats on that Blue Jays team. So I'm not adverse to him, and I'm not afraid to to take chances on rookies. Uh, and we saw even last year a guy like Ronald Acuna sometimes going in the sixth, seventh round, and the impact that he made even missing time and coming up a little bit later. Uh, he had the injury that, you know, caused him to sit out, but, you know, just Guerrero crushed at every level. I mean, AAA last year, 336, average 414 OBP, 564 slugging, more walks than strikeouts. He makes excellent contact, not going to run much. So, uh, you know, he's obviously going to be very productive, and especially in an average league, of course, there's always the adjustments, but I really don't think there's a, a need to downgrade him this much at this point, because I think when you were drafting him, you knew that he was going to miss some time. So he's a player that I have not drafted yet, and I'm willing to, for sure. Uh, I'm not going to pay a high price tag for him. And, you know, I think everyone is split. Uh, there are some people who just don't want to pay for someone that has not been in the major league level yet. And for me, it's not that. It's just the cost. You know, the fourth round uh, where I want to get uh, some stability and someone that I know, I think I want to take chances a little bit later on. 
Uh, but there's no question he could hit. Now, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss much time, even if he misses a month and comes back May 1st. You know, he's still, it shouldn't really drop him too much, but I'm sure people will maybe drop him a round or two because they're concerned of how long this injury will linger. But, you know, we still, it's still only March 10th. Even if he doesn't do anything for a month and then they put him in AAA for a couple weeks, I would think he's up by May 1st. But they clearly have to make sure that he's 100% uh, going to play some third base. And, you know, he is going pretty early. Uh, I think since uh, February 1st and the NFC is going as the 42nd player off the board. And it really just comes down to your style at that point because, you know, there's some good players on the board where you know what you're getting. You know, Chris Davis is in that range. Anthony Rendon is in that range. And Anthony Rendon, you know, is a real rock-solid player, just steady across the board. And I've talked about him basically saying he is someone where he just helps across in every category, nothing outstanding. And, you know, if I would have told you that those are Vladimir Guerrero's numbers at the end of the year, you'd probably say, oh, I'll take that, right? So, you know, do you want to go with a potential higher ceiling? Or do you want to go with the rock-solid Anthony Rendon, who's going to hit third in the lineup now for the Nationals? Again, I'll repeat, I still think that Nationals League is, uh, that lineup is still very good. Um, you know, he is someone that uh, is going to drive in more runs now. He had 92 RBIs in 136 games last year. You know, probably going to have Trey Turner in front of him. Just in a good, good spot. Guy bad 308 last year, 301 two years ago. And I think, you know, an optimist for Vlad would probably say, okay, yeah, that's what he could do at the major league level. The question is, though, the counting stats. So it really comes down to your style. And I'm not knocking Vlad at all. I would love to have him on at least one team. I mean, I said the same thing last year about Ronald Acuna. When I saw him where he was going at first, I was like, no, I can't do it. Then as we got closer to draft season, I said, okay, I want to get at least one share of Ronald Acuna. And I was ready to take him, I think, in round six of a 15-team league, uh, our GST league, with you know a lot of high-stakes players in it, people in the industry, some fans and listeners of the show and uh, on ScoutFantasySports.com. And uh, I wasn't able to get him. A uh, good friend, Chris Vaccaro, a good high-stakes player, he took him in that round, and I was ready to take him. So, you know, when you play in multiple leagues, you kind of want to get a share of some of these rookies because – the ceiling is there. The problem with Vlad is the price that you have to pay. You know, fourth round, third, fourth round, it's just too much for me. And I'm willing to pass on him in that spot. And even before this, like I said, I have no shares of him. I just feel like in every draft, there's someone who's willing to take him early. And if it works out for them, great. I hope it does. I want to see him get on the field and excel. But to me, I don't see how if you were taking Vlad before in round four, knowing that he would come up mid-April, why should this change it? Unless you feel this injury is more severe, but if it's a great one and it's March 10th now, March 11th, uh, you know, he should be up by May 1st. If you get five months of him, then that's what you were paying for. So uh, I'm not sure why it should shift his value too much, in my opinion. Adam Jones is finally signed. I don't know if people were excited for this or waiting for it. Maybe in NL and AL-only leagues, and I know, obviously, labor drafts took place uh, over a week ago, and I'm sure there were some teams that, you know, in both leagues that put a dollar or two bid on him. Adam Jones is just not an exciting player anymore, but he is signed with the Diamondbacks. 
Uh, felt like there probably were more teams that could have used Adam Jones. So he gets a one-year, $3 million deal with the Diamondbacks. So is he going to play every day? I don't think so. Now, unless they decide, hey, you know what? We are going to uh, play him over Cattell Marte. And, you know, Cattell Marte was someone people were pretty excited about late in drafts. He had the eligibility at second and short. And they were using him in the outfield to start the year in center field. So that meant, okay, at some point you're going to get outfield eligibility from Marte as well, which is nice flexibility. But to me, Adam Jones is just a name at this point. You know, He wasn't very good last year. And I know the Orioles weren't a good team, but he was in a good park. He's never been a guy that walks much, so the OBP is not great. You know, Last year he had 281, okay, but 15 homers, 7 steals, and 145 games. So now you're going to uh, a park that's, Less hitter-friendly. Remember, they put in the humidor last year in Arizona. It used to be a great park. They didn't still solid, but it, we did see the humidor you know, de- uh, decrease the numbers a little bit. And I, I don't think Adam Jones is, is going to be playing every day. So we'll find out. Again, for me, in fantasy, he's not appealing. I actually was – I had him way too high in my rankings. Not not like I had him top 50, but I think I had him like 75 in the outfield. I'm like, what am I doing? There's no way I'm taking any of these guys uh, – Adam Jones over any of these guys. So I had to make sure that I dropped him. He's just not someone I want on my team. See, that's an example of that late in the draft. You definitely want to shoot for ceiling. There are some veterans going late to me that are good values, and a couple of them will be posted hopefully on the website today. And I'll I'll have some more. I know people like those five-value hitters to target late, five-value pitchers. So I'm going to post a few more of them this week of guys that I'm looking at late. So my guess is we still see Marte pretty much play every day. He's a switch hitter. You got David Peralta in the outfield. Uh, he's pretty much a fixture coming off the year he had last year. And Steven Sousa in right, who obviously has had a tough time staying healthy, at least last year. But it was just two years ago that he had a good year in terms of power and speed. So my guess is Adam Jones more of a fourth outfielder at this point. Remember, he's been on the market for a while. So we'll see what they do. You know, again, for the Diamondbacks, from a real-life perspective, sure, it makes sense. You're not paying a lot of money. But I think a lot of people are excited to see Cattell Marte get an opportunity to play every day. This is someone that has the ability to get double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, and and solid batting average with the uh, multiple position eligibility, especially the second and shortstop, which is pretty big uh, for them. Also, uh, Jose Altuve. Uh, he's still out of the lineup, and I don't really see many people talking about it, but he's dealing with some side soreness, and they expected him to be back you know, Thursday or Friday, and he did not return. Uh, they said they feel it's a minor issue, and it makes sense for the Astros to be cautious here. No need to push him. We're still a couple weeks away from the season. These games don't need much. You get him back for a few days, so they're making sure that it is safe, uh, I have something to keep an eye on. I know someone asked a keeper question regarding Altuve, and he was the one of the answers. I said, hey, just keep an eye on it uh, and sit up until your deadline. I don't think it's a, a major issue. Altuve is someone that I'm not high on this year. He's never been a player I liked, and obviously he's proven me wrong. You know, last year uh, I stayed away from him, and again, he had a good year when he was on the field, but we did see a dip, and the biggest concern is the stolen bases, the average is, is ridiculous. He just gives you a high floor. But, like, I don't care about, like, my first pick with average. I mean, yeah, okay, he allows you to do a lot of things later on, but so do many other players. And maybe, you know, I'm not going to – it's not just batting average. 
I don't think the power is real. You know, he had 13 homers in 137 games last year after hitting 24 two straight years. I'm not sure he's a lock for 20 home runs. Now, it is a good lineup. In the counting stats, should be good. But if his power is going to go down and he's not going to run as much, it's a problem. You know, he only had 21 stolen base attempts last year in 137 games. And I know he had the knee issue, but already side soreness. And I think that's one of the other things with him. He's not the biggest guy. You know, he's a small guy. You know, how? what is his durability? And I know before last year, he didn't say much, but the guy is turning 29. So I think that you have to worry about what is the ceiling. You know, he could be a 15-homer, 19-steal guy, which is very – it's good. And the average certainly gives him a boost. But, you know, I'm a little concerned about the other stats. So he's the guy – you can see my drafts. I pass on him. I see a lot of people say he's a great value late in first round. Uh, I disagree. I, I don't think you you really need him uh, at this point. I definitely have some concerns with him uh, for sure going forward, and the health here does not help that much. When we return, I'm going to be joined by Matt Bodica. You can find him at theathletic.com and in a lot of high-stakes leagues. He will join me next to talk some more baseball here. It is Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. Rain dance! Make it rain. This Jose Canseco story is cracking me up. I mean, if you love a good car crash, then you guys need to follow Jose Canseco, who took to Twitter last night and gave everyone his phone number, swears up and down that A-Rod is still banging his ex-wife, Jessica, even though that they just publicly got engaged, that being J-Lo and A-Rod, and Jose is not having any of this. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Back here at his Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis, you can find me, scoutfantasysports.com. The NFL Scouting Combine has come and gone, and with the 2019 NFL Draft just around the corner, for serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. 
Davis, Maddock, and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Joining me now, it is Matt Modica. You can find him at theathletic.com and also in a lot of high-stakes fantasy baseball leagues. Matt, what's up? Hey, how's it going, Adam? Best time of the year. Definitely is, man. It's going to be a crazy week for me. Uh, I know it is for you as well, and I'm sure you probably got some of your draft slots today for some of your main events this weekend. So uh, how's it looking for you uh, this weekend? Where are some of your draft slots? Uh, Saturday's main, I will be picking uh, six with my partner, Andy Saxon, in that one. So uh, looking forward to that. We won't find out uh, Friday night for the MTM Ultimate because Mike has to do the Iron Balls draft, so you know you gotta. You... Well, you know, you know who picks that draft order, right? All right, well, we're going to try and get Matt back in a second. But, yes, Matt was referring to the ultimate draft uh, run by Mike Masato on Friday night. And I have been the, the facilitator of that draft for the last several years and will also uh, do that uh, this year as well. So all the baseballs are put in a basket with person's names. And as I draw them out, uh, they get the preference of where they want to pick. So, uh, obviously, Matt is taking part in that. And that's a fun draft. A lot of money on the line. Very serious players. ADP is thrown out the window. Matt, I was saying how uh, that draft order is not determined until right before the draft, uh, and I'm the one who pulls out the baseballs out of the bucket. Yeah, so hopefully you're pulling me out uh, trout. That's what I would prefer. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think that's what everyone wants. So we'll see if uh, your name is pulled out. But uh, I know last year you, you weren't in it. You were two years ago. What made you come back this year to that draft? Uh, I think it's just a, it's, it's a great time. It's fun. Uh, just like the atmosphere, the people that are in it. Mike always makes it, you know, makes it an event in itself. So, you know, it'll definitely be good times. It's going to be a hectic weekend. I'm doing, you know, uh, two a days, uh, an auction and a draft every day for three days. So it should be fun. How are you able to get through that obviously you know auctions can be very mentally taxing they take several hours so what do you do to prepare for this basically boot camp for a few days in a row uh drink a lot of coffee take a lot of leaves <laughs> and you know try and you know clear the mind whatever you can uh, you said you're picking number six in one of the main events that you're doing with Andy Saxton. Is that an area where you like to draft? What are your thoughts on the sixth spot this year? Yeah, no, the sixth spot's cool with me. Uh, I wanted a top seven pick. Uh, actually, I wouldn't have minded going a pick or two earlier. You know, now that uh, the news with Kershaw and Severino's uh, shoulder news, both those guys are being pushed down. So you're losing a couple of aces, so it makes it more interesting in the middle of the third. Talking to Matt Modica, you can find him at theathletic.com. You know, Francisco Lindor obviously dealing with this calf injury, but it's been known for several weeks. Uh, he fell to me at the end of the second round of Tower Wars last week. I was stunned. I was like, I got I to gotta take him at pick 29. I haven't seen him fall that far 
You know, where's the range of where Lindor should be drafted right now, in your opinion? I, I think in a 15-teamer, you know, in that back half of the first round for me, if, I mean, I haven't heard any talk of any setbacks or anything, I don't think he's going to miss a ton of time. So he's still a hell of a player. He's, you know, he's going to give you, you know, a good batting average. He's going to hit some home runs. And if it's hopefully fully healed, and he's a younger guy, it's not like Josh Donaldson. But, look, there is risk. I get it. I understand why people are scared. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, we found out over the weekend, dealing with a grain one strained oblique. We all knew he was going to miss some time anyway due to service time. They were going to start him in the minor leagues. And he's been going pretty high in the high-stakes leagues, right around ADP of 43. Should this change where you draft him? And has he been a player that has wound up on your teams? I know you've done a lot of drafts. How much exposure do you have to Guerrero Jr. so far? I have zero. Uh, it's not that I don't like the player. It's pretty much the other players in his range. Uh, if he falls down to a more acceptable area for me, look, I think you're just what you're paying for right now before the injury news or so called injury news, whatever it is. I think it has to be an injury. But uh, before that, you, I mean, you're paying for his 100% projection to come, come, come true like 300 average, 30 homers. Now, if he, if he falls back to, like, say, Ronald McCooter did last year in the main events, like around pick 80, or even less than that, I'm definitely interested. You, you might miss more than the original two weeks of the season you thought. So that has to get factored into his, you know, end-of-season projections. If he misses, say, almost a whole month, you know, then you got to do the calculations there. Do you think he falls much in drafts over the next uh, week or so because of this news? I mean, I think yesterday he was falling. He was, he was falling, you know, to close to pick sixty. I think so. That's a that's a pretty big move in one day. I still think there's always going to be that one person that's still going to buy him regardless. So, I mean, look, if he's there at the right price, I'll buy him. But I'm not going out of my way that I have to have him. Yeah, I agree with you. I always say that there's always going to be one person in that room who is high on him and probably takes him a little bit earlier than uh, someone wanted. Talking to Matt Modica, you can find him at theathletic.com. To me, a player that I think people either love him or hate him is Yasiel Puig. And we know that he is going to a new team in Cincinnati. Is Puig someone that you like for the upcoming season? Are you pro Puig or you think he's overvalued right now in drafts? I'm all pro Puig. I think, you know, what you're going to get from the power potential of, uh, you know, 15 stolen bases in a perfect world, maybe he does get 20. I think he'll get the playing time this year in Cincinnati. Uh, so, I, I mean, the ballpark, too, is an improvement. So I think there's a lot of factors there. Hopefully, you know, he's another year older. He's matured now. And uh, I'm looking for really, really good things from him this season. Uh, Pete Alonzo of the Mets has had a good spring. He had a double off the ball today. He just knocked someone out. There was a collision at first base, <laughs> and someone from the Astros <laughs> left the game. So Alonzo, we know, has big power. Do you think he begins the season with the Mets, and where where's the appropriate spot to draft him? Is he on your radar? Will you take him this year? Uh, I, I'm interested in him. It just, it, it's got to be when I have my other uh, things filled out, and he's somebody – that I'm willing to get as a 
as a bench player for me. Because I, I, I think they'll play like a, you know, whatever it is, that 12 days, two-week game with him. Why not? You know, it's another year of control. We know the Mets are cheap. So, I mean, I don't, I mean for 12 days, I don't care what they say. They want to be competitive. They'll put somebody there for, you know, for the time being. We're obviously both Mets fans, and it's obviously always easy <laughs> to get excited early in the year. Uh, but the Mets do have a pretty good team. You know, the National League East is a problem with the Phillies going out and getting Bryce Harper and all the acquisitions they made. I think the Nationals are still very good. Uh, the Braves obviously have some good youth, but questions with the health of the staff right now. You know, where do you look at the Mets right now? Are you optimistic going into the year? Could this team make some noise and be in contention for a playoff spot this year? I mean, I think they could make some noise. Uh, I would put the Nationals as the favorite, the Phillies right behind them. But, you know, everything's got to break right. The pitching's got to stay healthy. I hope this Jed Lowry injury isn't serious. You know, because I think he's a guy that they are going to need to rely on this year. He's a, you know, he's a good, solid bat. Nothing spectacular, but you, you need those guys in there. So, I mean, look, I'm, I'm more optimistic than I thought I would be six months ago or whatever, four months ago, whatever you want to say. So, I'm, I mean, I am excited about the season, but as a Met fan, we're always cautiously optimistic. That is true, but they do have good pitching, and so far they're healthy, which is the most important thing. Uh, Herman Marquez, man, like I always say, you know, what we do, we we have definitive opinions. We go, oh, I love this guy. I don't like this guy. There's always, to me, a few players every year where you're just not sure. Like you go back and forth. For me, it's Marquez. Obviously, I want to believe in him. He was dominant last year, especially in the final. 113 innings. I mean, he was basically unhittable. He had another great performance over the weekend, but there's still that course field factor where you're worried that one, two outings at course field can just inflate the numbers. And he did not have a great first half. It was still one second half. Where do you stand on Marquez? Is he someone you say you believe in? Because uh, he had a 481 ERA in the first half, 261 in the second half, and just really stepped up. So where do you stand on Marquez this year? Uh, well, he's, I'm actually doing my revised starting pitcher ranks, and it's been a month since they dropped, and he's going to move into the top 20. I had him at 26, and it's only because of course field. I mean, he did do everything in that second half. Those skills were elite. It's everything that I believe in, all the things I look for, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still scared of course field. I don't have him anywhere. Like I said, I don't like him. He's gone higher than I thought he would go. And, you know, so I would not want him as my number one, though. I, I tell you that. That I would not want to start a draft off with Marquez as my one. In an ideal world, that'd be number three, but that's not going to happen. So, you know, the best case, he's your number two. And I do believe in the talent. It's just pulling the trigger on Coors Field, I find difficult at times. It is, and especially uh, when you've had John Gray the last few years, like I have. Uh, it is kind of difficult <laughs> yeah, as well. You. Yeah, but Mar- Marquez, just very, very intriguing for sure. Uh, with Clayton Kershaw, how has he moved down your rankings? Like, where is the spot? I always say, people can say whatever they want. I take them here. Until you're on the clock or in an auction and mm-hmm. your feet are to the fire, you don't know. So I will say, and this was a few weeks ago, great fantasy baseball invitational. I passed on him in round six. He wound up going, I think, 81 overall in that draft. 
Uh, where would you take Kershaw if you're doing a draft today? I think I'd probably have him around. It's really tough where to put him. I think SP 25. If, say, you know, he played catch and it sounded good and he's going to, you know, maybe miss two weeks of the season, around SP 25 I'd be interested in. I really wasn't, you know, he wasn't a guy that I've been targeting on zero shares. I had him at 14 just out of respect for Kershaw, and I moved him down to probably around that 25, 26 range. Look, if he gets 150 innings or so, anywhere from that 140 to 160, even a declining Kershaw could do good things. I just haven't, uh, I haven't gotten in that business this year. Talking to Matt Modica, you can find him at theathletic.com. We're seeing a lot of young pitchers have good springs. Uh, Jesus <laughs> Lazardo, Chris Paddock, Forrest Whitley. Well, we're seeing their price rise. Definitely Paddock for sure. I mean, that was a guy a month, a month and a half ago. <laughs> I know I got him in a draft champions league. I forgot what round. It was probably in the 30s, man. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. I took him in Tout Wars last week in round 23. Uh, what's your outlook for each of these guys? I, I like them all. Uh, I can't. You can't draft all three of them in like a in like a uh, in like a main event because you just can't carry three of those guys. But I definitely want to be involved with one of them. Uh, I think you got to take the risk. That's why if you build a nice pitching foundation, you're you're afforded these risks later on when these guys are available. Now, as you said, they're moving up. They're only going to move up further come this weekend and next weekend. Uh, I mean, what Paddock's doing. My first draft champions back on November 23rd, I got him with the fourth pick of the 40th round. And that was just basically taking a flyer at that point. You know, those are lottery picks those last 10 rounds. And, you know, I didn't think, you know, we were going to see anything like we're seeing right now. And as far as Whitley goes, I do believe he's going to – I'm betting on the over as far as projected innings for him. He's just an injury away. At some point, he's getting into this rotation. He's He's ready. They talked last year before his uh, suspension about having him in the second half. So this is a weapon that will get unleashed at some point. And Lazaro, they said they're going to hold him back. They're holding some of the starters back. And, you know, I think he's up after, you know, the first two weeks. They could probably get away with not having, a, uh, having five starters and then, you know, get that extra year. And he's going to be in the rotation. So I want to get – at least one of these three guys, you can't get them all. I mean, that's just that's craziness. So you got to pick your spots, and you know, if you have a foundation, you can run with it. I find it difficult right now to draft Dallas Keuchel or Craig Kimbrell. Obviously, they don't have teams, and we saw some pitchers mm-hmm. last year come late into spring, even early March, and struggle. Uh, maybe you feel it's different for a reliever, but are Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel at their prices now guys you're willing to take a shot on, or or you're passing? So I was hoping Kimbrel, I got Kimbrel, I was hoping Keiko would have signed already. Because I, I think he, a lot of people were kind of moving away from him. And in the right spot, I would have gladly taken him. Look, he's not going to be the Cy Young Keiko from a couple of years ago. But I still think he could be a good pitcher for you. But like you said, you know, no swing training, that's tough. So hopefully he'll continue to fall and then you can make a decision, you know, based on a discounted price and say, look, you know what, you hear some news this weekend he signed then maybe it's worth it. As far as Kimball goes, I was kind of lower on him than most early on. 
And, you know, I think he's been fantastic. He's been dominant. But two out of the last three years, that walk rate's been atrocious. And, you know, he was more my third tier than second tier of closers, you know. So I'm really, you know, if he fell to a point where I know he's going to get signed by somebody, I mean, obviously somebody's going to take a risk. Somebody's going to take the shot on him. He's going to want to play this year. I don't think he's going to hold out. I'm not buying that. So you're both of them right now. I'm kind of starting away. Well, Matt, I will see you this weekend at the mm-hmm. NFBC events, and uh, we will be participating in an auction against each other on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So I hope by that time you get worn out and you run out of coffee. <laughs> I could be. That's going to be the Sunday afternoon one. I may be, you know, on, on fumes. <laughs> nah, I think you'll figure it out. But uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Always good talking to you, and uh, we'll be even more fun competing as we have in the past. So uh, looking forward to it, and uh, I will see you this weekend. Yeah, looking forward to it, Adam. Thanks again for having me on. Have a great one. You too, man. That is Matt Modica. You can check him out at theathletic.com, providing great content there referring to the high-stakes league. So make sure you check him out. Uh, Maybe we'll have him on again next week to kind of go over our auction and see how we fared. When we return, more baseball news. Someone ruled out for opening day for the Braves. I'll let you know who it is. That is ahead right here. It is Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be. So we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. The morning after. It's hard not to applaud the Oakland Raiders and how they've handled this. Say what you will about how bad they were on the field last year, and that was pathetic. Well, they did a nice job stockpiling picks. They got a first-round pick uh, for Amari Cooper. They replaced Amari Cooper with Antonio Brown for a third and a fifth-round pick. It's really hard not to tip your cap and say, wow, some nice maneuvering by the Oakland Raiders. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rona Solo today taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You could find me, ScoutFantasySports.com. We have an NFL free agency tracker offseason player movement with some comments that is posted now. 
as well as uh, high-stakes ADP movement, uh, breakout pitcher of the year, according to Sean Childs, as well as sleepers. Uh, I have a ton of articles up as well, including my rankings, which finished number two last year, according to draft accuracy by fantasypros.com. So you can get access to those which are updated in live time as injuries and news happens. Check it out, scoutfantasysports.com. Use the promo code BATS50, get 50% off your first two months. And you can catch the FNTSY Sports Radio Network coverage of the NFPC high-stakes fantasy baseball auctions this Friday and Saturday from the Stewart Hotel in New York City as industry professionals go at it auction-style vying for $7,000 league prizes and a $150,000 grand prize. The NFBC has paid over $23 million in fantasy baseball prizes during its first 15 seasons. And with that kind of money on the line, these drafts are a great benchmark to use when prepping for your own. We have all the coverage with Greg Sussman, Frank Stanfield, Joe Pisapia, Dr. Otto, and former Major League pitcher Brad Ziegler analyzing the drafts in real time. Tune in to the FNTSY Sports Radio Network this Friday and Saturday for all the fantasy baseball action and follow the industry professionals as they play for keeps. I will be in an auction, but mine will be on Sunday. It was uh, originally going to be in a couple of the drafts, but uh, Sunday is the one that I wind up uh, participating in. So we'll talk a little bit about the results next week. Uh, had a good show in last year going into September, but some injuries kind of pushed me down the draft board, which kind of sucks. But as I was mentioning before, we got some news today on Mike fulton which He has officially been ruled out for opening day, and I don't think anyone is surprised by this. He had some elbow soreness late last month, and he's only been playing catch, so we don't even know when he's going to get back on the mound, throw to hitters, all of that. So he might not miss much time, but he will not be ready opening day. And uh, I don't like to see any player get injured, but especially a guy that I was not on. You know, I was loving when I saw fulton which go in the fifth, sixth round because he's just not a player that, for me at that price was worth it. Uh, he's someone that I've had in leagues for several seasons. And last year was the first year I did not get him. You know, we had an ERA of at least four, three, one for three straight years and just needed to see the walks cut down in order for him to make an improvement. Uh, because even the underlying numbers didn't say anything. Uh, and then last year he didn't even cut the walks, but we saw the strikeouts jump big time and the home runs decline. But there were some, Fortunate factors at play here. He had a 251 batting average of balls in play, which is a little lucky. His career marks 303. The strand rate was a little high at 77.1%, although the FIP was 3.37. But he had a 285 ERA, and I just didn't think he would repeat that. Uh, he had a 1.08 whip, and that was a, a big problem for him uh, beforehand. He would put a lot of runners on base, but the 9.1% walk rate was a career worst. Now the strikeouts took a big jump. That was the big key. You know, he was in the 20-21% range. He went to 27.2% last year. But the hard hit rate was also one of the worst of his careers at 35.1%. So while the surface numbers showed that he improved, there really wasn't much here to say, okay, this is for real. It's going to stick. So that was my concern with him. And obviously this injury is going to push him down the draft board even further. But he's certainly not a player that... Uh, I'm looking at this year. I definitely have concerns with him. And, you know, maybe at this point he becomes uh, a little bit cheaper, but still not someone that I'm willing to take on my team. Uh, interested to see where he goes this weekend. Maybe it's a steep. If the discount is that steep, then 
maybe you take a shot. But it's always a risk with players that have an injury going into the season because teams will not give you every detail of what the timetable is. And we know that there's always setbacks and you can be behind in your rehab or returning. And there could you could go to the mound and start throwing. You're fine. The next day you have soreness again. So you have to be very careful with that because we know throughout the season we are going to be hit with injuries. So if you go into the season taking a risk with two to three guys who are hurt or dealing with something, and especially if you have no DL spots, it's going to put you in a significant hole. So you have to understand that. Another item from the Braves this weekend, a Braves manager, Brian Snicker, said that Arotis Vizcaino and A.J. Minter would share the closer role to start the year, and it might be matchup things. Now, every team is different, and some teams like to just go with one closer, but we are seeing more and more teams kind of play the matchup and go with what they think is the best option. So this could be a scenario where it's the seventh, eighth inning, three lefties are due up or two out of three, and yes, a team can pitch it, but they're not going to pitch it more than likely for everyone. Where you could see, you know, Minter coming to the game, and then you could see, you know, Tough Righties do up in the eighth, and they bring in Vizcaino. So it's one of a few or many situations across baseball now where it's going to be a headache for fantasy owners. So, uh, you know, AJ Minter had a little bit of a setback recently with that shoulder soreness. Uh, obviously, I like him, but. Vizcaino actually was pretty good last year when he did pitch, but Minter was pretty good as well. So this is a case where they are kind of going to split for sure, and it's not the ideal scenario. You're They're both guys you're taking after the more solidified closers off the board or off the board, and I hate saying solidified closer because how many are there right now in baseball? But obviously both those guys are in play. And looking back, I kind of wish I took a flyer on Minter. Uh, late in the draft, I think he I think he fell. And the one thing about Tout Wars that you have to take into account, and this is where you always have to know your league rules, and it does adjust the way you draft. You know, I'll give you an example. I took Miguel Sano in round 24 of Tout Wars. And you might go, why even bother? He's out a month. He's been disappointed. And the reason why I did it is we have unlimited DL spots. So even a guy like Didi Gregarius was on my radar in that league. And he actually went one round before Sano, which... I didn't understand because we know Didi's probably going to miss at least half the year. With Sano, it's potentially one month. And yes, Didi has been in a more accomplished major leaguer to this point. But Sano has shown big-time power. Twins have a good lineup, and you know it's about a month. It Could it be more? Sure. But I think with Didi, we know it's like half the year. So that's why it's very important to know your league rules. You know, in a high-stakes league where you have no DL spots, it might be a little bit more difficult to take on someone like Didi because it's a valuable bench spot that you're wasting where you might have a pitcher and you might stream in and out. So knowing the league rules in context is very important because uh, A.J. Minter and Towers went around 22. I mean, that's a cheap price for a guy that might get 15, 20 saves. So looking back on it, probably should have taken a shot there, but that's also at that point was last week. We weren't sure. I think the Minter news had been out for a couple days and we just didn't know exactly what the uh, – the timetable was for him, but um, we still kind of don't know either. They really haven't said anything, but uh, he is definitely someone that, you know, you could take uh, late in a draft uh, with the hopes of getting you some saves. I mean, it, we're, we are to the point where like 15 saves out of a guy at that cheap price uh, is certainly worth considering. Uh, Clint Kershaw threw a 20 pitch bullpen session today. So it's the first time he threw off a mound in almost a month. February 20th was the last time and uh, it was all fastballs and, 
He worked from the stretch, worked from the windup. So, uh, yeah, it's a step in the right direction. But to me, there's definitely still concern. I mean, it is March 11th, and we're, like, happy that he threw 20 pitches in a bullpen session. I mean, really? So they still have not ruled him out for opening day. I don't see how he's ready. I don't understand why they don't push him. They don't need to. They have some pitching depth, so I would expect them to miss opening day. And, again, it comes down to your draft style as far as Clayton Kershaw. He's not someone that I'm taking right now. You can see where I have him ranked uh, on my starting pitchers at scalfantasysports.com. But so far, I have not landed Kershaw in any leagues uh, and uh, probably will not. I mean, you never know what happens, but uh, definitely concerned. I mean, this is a lot of issues that he's had, and the back has to be the biggest concern. And not a doctor, but that back could be the cause for other issues kind of spreading around and uh, becoming a problem for him at this point. We also found out today that, uh, which we, we, we knew, but it's official that the Brewers are going to play Mike Moustakis at second base. And this is very interesting just because this guy has never played second base before. And they did have Travis Shaw move there last year, and he was okay. Uh, so this is somewhat of a a risk here for the Brewers. Now, as far as the bat, and I really like Moustakis. He's got big-time power and playing in Milwaukee. Now, the second base eligibility is also huge. Third base is a deep position. I was looking at my rankings with Moustakis, and I really wanted to move him up. But I look at third base, and I'm like, who am I putting him over? I think third base there's some is a deep position, especially when you're playing in a mixed league. Uh, definitely more deep than first base this year. But Moustakas is a guy two years ago that had 38 home runs, and that was a year where we saw home runs really jump across the board. You saw a lot of players who exceeded their career total by quite a bit, so you do take that into account. Last year, Moustakas had 28 homers, 95 RBIs, batted 251. He's not great in OBP. He doesn't walk much. 307 career OBP, so take that into account if that's what your league utilizes. And his average has kind of been all over the place. I mean, the last four years, 284, 240, 272, 251. So in that 260 range. But I think there's big-time power here from him playing in that park consistently every day in that lineup. You know, I think this is a guy that can hit 35 home runs. He's a fly ball hitter. He had the best hard-hit contact rate of his career. And I really like this Brewers lineup. So I actually have not been able to get Moustakas anywhere. And it's not because I don't want him. It's just the third base position is full of good depth. And it really comes down to what you have at that point. And it just hasn't been a need for me. But I think Moustakas obviously has been a, a pretty good value uh, at this point in drafts. But this is a guy that I think that could up, put up big numbers. I know he's not going to run much. And I know he doesn't have a big average. But we're talking about or high average. You're talking about someone in the double-digit rounds where you should be able to get him that has, you know, 35, 105, 110 potential uh, with the Brewers playing every day. Uh, I do believe that. So that is someone that uh, I do like. It's just he hasn't landed on any one of my teams. You know, no one has really talked about this either. Marcelo Zuna. Do people realize that he has not played the field yet? Now, he is playing left field today for the first time this spring, and he made throws uh, over the weekend to different bases, to home plate. So he had shoulder surgery in October. So it sounds like he should be good to go opening day. He should have a very good year. I have moved him down my draft board just a little bit. Uh, and he even fell a little bit in Towers. I was a, a little surprised 
that he he did fall to where he did. Uh, I had some outfielders at the time. He wasn't a needy. And again, I was a little leery of this shoulder issue. You know, you always worry about that. And, you know, especially the fact that he didn't play the field yet was a little concerning for me. But looks like he's good to go. He actually went with uh, the last pick of round eight uh, in this 15-team league to Rudy Gamble. I had a pick before, and I went Matt Olson because I really wanted Olson at that point. And obviously we had Rudy Gamble on last week on Friday. You could check that on demand. And he said he really wanted Olson, and I sniped him with that pick. So, uh, yeah, I just think Olson could have a huge year last year. He had a good year, maybe not what people were hoping uh, after the brief time in the majors where he exploded in 2017, but he's got big power potential. And as I mentioned previously, first base, not the deepest position. So I really wanted Olsen there in that format to get him at the end of round eight in a 15-team league. I think it's nice value because he is a guy that can hit 35, 40 home runs. We've seen, yes, it's not the greatest park there in Oakland for power, but look what Chris Davis has done the last couple of years. So I was happy to get him there. Uh, so Ozuna can definitely put up good numbers. I mean, this lineup is uh, very good. You know, a full year out of Paul DeYoung, adding Paul Goldschmidt to the lineup, Goldschmidt, Matt Carpenter. So uh, I do think Ozuna could put up numbers, but definitely an encouraging sign that he's able to go out there and throw today. Uh, the Tigers have talked about their lineup. Ron Gardner said he envisioned Josh Harrison leading off, Nick Castellano second, and Miguel Cabrera third. Uh, and then that means cleanup could be Christian Stewart, he's a good pick late with some power. And obviously hitting cleanup with those guys in front of him is a good spot, especially if Cabrera can stay healthy. John Hicks and Heimer Candelario is the other options there for the Tigers. And Cabrera is a very interesting player for this year. He's not someone that has landed on my teams yet. And I feel like the price is, is pretty cheap. It all comes down to health with Miggy. And that's the pro, uh, that's you know the big concern. You know, Can he stay healthy for a whole season? And I don't know the answer to that. He's getting older. He's had some injuries the last couple of years. He can flat out hit, though. I know he had another home run in the spring, his second home run. So he's a Hall of Famer, one of the best hitters of our generation. It just comes down to, okay, will he be able to stay healthy? And how much power can he have? Because he could easily hit you know, 300, but is it going to be 16 home runs? Is it going to be 25 home runs? Because uh, I don't think this Tigers lineup is that bad. You know, people were knocking Castellanos last year. I remember because I took him in a few drafts like, oh, the Tigers lineup is not good. And he put up good numbers without Miguel Cabrera. So hitting a topped-out lineup is not going to be a problem. There are some good bats there. And, you know, Josh Harrison's not great. But if he can rediscover the form or come close to it of two years ago, not a bad guy to have at the top of the lineup. So uh, Cabrera... Interesting player in the double-digit rounds because he doesn't cost much. But, uh, again, another guy that has not really found his way onto my team, not really on my radar, uh, and it's just basically, you know, health-wise. But, you know, I wouldn't rule him out. He's not someone I cross off my board. I mean, to get him as a corner infielder in a mixed league, round 13, round 14. Uh, but he's 35 years old. He turns 36 in April, and that's the biggest concern. You know, this is a guy that's been playing for a long time. Uh, 38 games last year, 130 in 2017, 119 in 2015. So 130 in three of the last four years. So that's the biggest concern. I have no doubt about him hitting. But remember, 2017, only 16 homers in 130 games. Uh, I do think the average will be there for a guy like Miggy. Some other intriguing performances over the weekend. Steve Matz looked good yesterday against the Cardinals. Four scoreless innings, three hits a walk, and two strikeouts. And, 
you know, Matt's went pretty cheap in Tout Wars. Uh, definitely someone that I wanted. I think he went in round nine, 18. Actually, I was going to take him. He went three picks ahead of me. Uh, I think Matt's this year is a nice value. I think there are some people who are still have it in their head that, oh, he's an injury concern. He's a Met pitcher. And, yes, and I covered Steve Matz in high school in Long Island, and he has had injuries throughout his career. But last year he was very good, and he made 30 starts. Now he only went 154 innings. One of them he got hammered. I think he lasted two-thirds of an inning. But it was an encouraging sign last year that he was able to throw 154 innings, and he had a 3.97 ERA. And there's potential for him to improve on that. Home runs have been an issue for him. But when you're talking 18th, 19th round in a mixed league, I definitely want to take a shot on him in that spot. Uh, he had a one-two-five whip last year as well. He induces a lot of ground balls. So there's definitely some upside here. Matt's is someone that I think you want to have on your radar late in drafts uh, because I think he can definitely exceed his draft position and produce good value for you this year that's the type of guy that i want to take a shot on and i almost took him in the great fantasy baseball invitational in pass but i have taken him in a few leagues and he's definitely on my radar this year so don't rule him out uh because the injury factor is baked into that price late in the draft lots more ahead in the next hour tim mcleod of towers will join me at 3 20 p.m eastern we'll preview the night in nba dfs and more baseball news here on scout fantasy sports